Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode is underwritten by the Tamsin G Association and Stephanie Powers. Welcome to our newest patrons, Jasmine Z, Annabelle Lee, and Ms. Noid or MS Noid. Please clarify. <laughs> to learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like fancy special icons on our forums, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here, we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host, William Carebake. I'm your other host, Will. Uh, quick reminder that Oh My Dollar's cat-filled personal finance book is going into the second printing, and we need your help to make that possible. We're launching on Kickstarter, and we went live. Woohoo! You can back the project and see our budget-friendly planner and year-at-a-glance wall calendar and see the video at ohmydollar.com slash cats. The wall calendar is very cool looking. I'm excited about it. <laughs> it's actually just like a thing I wanted, so I made it. Is That's, it? the like I think, the best way to describe <laughs> it. I just was like upset I couldn't find it in English, so I made it. Perfect. Yeah. Well, speaking of perfect. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. Perfect There's transition, Well. Uh, yeah, well, I've, so I've been doing a lot of thinking about perfectionism, uh, and this is probably because I have like 10 different projects right now that are on hold until I can personally get a handle on my perfectionism around them. So, you know, of course, the best way to do this is to procrastinate by trying to work on my perfectionism mm -hmm. instead of working on the projects, obviously. So here we are. <laughs> yeah. So here we are. Um, but I actually think like as as I've been doing like some work on this, I've been realizing for a lot of people how the statements that I hear them say about money, because I uh, casually like obviously i talk to oh my dollar listeners all the time on the forums and we get emails but also just like i'm on an airplane and i tell people i teach personal finance and i end up getting these kind of statements out of people mm -hmm. right on bar at bars or whatever Yeah, the reactions to that must be yeah interesting yeah. uh and for a lot of people i see kind of these statements that are linked to perfectionism and all or nothing thinking really turn up in the way that they approach money. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of, I guess, I guess I think it's useful to talk about it. Like, I am not a therapist, um, but we talk about all the time about how money is truly more emotional than it is about the numbers. And I think it's really important to kind of explore when you might be getting held back by kind of all or nothing thick thinking or shoulds or you're being like overly critical of yourself around your money um because i think it's an area where it's very easy to feel like there's some sort of thing as a perfect ideal but there is there is not it's it's just it it's it's a progress and process it's not a perfect end goal okay so like what's what's an example of that well 
Well, so one hallmark of perfectionism getting in the way is an all or nothing attitude towards something. So all or nothing thinking, it usually comes with some sort of should statement. And then like, mm-hmm. it's usually accompanied by strong feelings of self-blame. Right. Are you something... hearing anything that we hear a lot with personal finance in that? <laughs> so something you should do, or you feel like you should do and feeling bad when you don't do this thing that you you think you should do or society tells you you should do yeah so and and you convince yourself that things should be different and like more perfect quote unquote and then you blame yourself for the situation and then you often give up before you even gotten started mm-hmm. <laughs> right so like here are some examples of things i have heard that to me represent all or no- nothing thinking in money so like i overspent on postmates last week so my budget is shot so i might as well throw it away entirely right right, right? Um, it, it's kind of the, I ate one cookie, so I might as well eat the whole package sort yep. of thinking. <laughs> yep. Already. Oh yeah. Over budgeted. So just give up. Yeah. Uh, and like the, a lot of this kind of manifests in wanting to make the perfect decision, right? So why bother saving an emergency fund? Because you don't get any good interest on a savings account right now. So it's not worth it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. So you've, you've already thought so many steps ahead in the process that you're disappointed that the money that you save for an emergency fund isn't getting you a good return. So you shouldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, yeah. It's not perfect. So you don't want it. You don't want it at all. Uh, or, you know, like, uh, all or nothing thinking, it, it usually like when it comes to perfectionism is focused on yourself, but sometimes it'll be, it'll be, you'll look at these, you'll overgeneralize about like, like societal things. So the stock market went down yesterday and that means it's always going to go down and so you shouldn't invest at all. Yeah. yeah <laughs> because yeah. you'll lose all of your money. <laughs> Everything's because, always bad. Because yeah. you heard that <laughs> Apple stock went down yesterday or whatever. Or I have so many student loans, I will never be able to stop living paycheck to paycheck, so it's not even worth trying. Right, yeah, yeah, seeing an obstacle is insurmountable. or in, yeah. Insurmountable, because you can't do it in the perfect way. And I, this often, I think, occurs, I think it's worse in sort of the Instagram and Pinterest perfect lifestyle. And if you're someone who, you know, maybe listens to a personal finance show, maybe you follow, like, personal finance people on the internet and i have to follow personal finance people on the internet Mm -hmm. and i feel like i have things pretty dialed in like i feel pretty confident about my money enough that i have a weekly show you give suggestions (laughs) on how to do it yeah Yeah, (laughs) but but i often find myself in this kind of all or nothing thinking where i'll be like oh my gosh that person was able to save this percentage of their income or that person was able to buy a house in cash and like i should just stop trying because like i'm not going to be able to can't approach this ideal yeah or um Um, You know, I hear this a lot around student debt. So, like, I should be able to pay off my student loans in five years, but I also want to spend money on X, Y, Z things, so I can't, so I might as well not try at all, right? You know, like, getting caught up in these perfect scenarios in calculators, or you you see other people who manage to do it, like, who manage to pay off their student loans at a really accelerated timeline, and you just know that it's not possible on your income level or with your healthcare expenses, or just because... You also want to spend money on certain other things and you Mm -hmm. can't accelerate your timeline that way. And so you just give up. If you're not putting all of your money towards that financial goal, then you shouldn't put any and then it's just over. (laughs) Right. Okay. And that's a good example of that perfectionism you're talking about. If you can't do it perfectly, kind of worrying about doing it at all. Yeah, exactly. And and this manifests like perfectionism, I think. We've had we've had episodes on financial procrastination before and perfectionism. I mean, the reason that I'm working on it right now is I procrastinate. 
because I am a perfectionist and I, I tend to do it on creative projects. Mm-hmm. I'm very I, I I am attuned to the fact that like uh, routine tasks that a lot of other people procrastinate on, like accounting or signing up for healthcare or whatever, is something to me that doesn't stress me out in the same way that putting a creative work out in the world does. And I'm much mm-hmm. more of a perfectionist about that kind of thing. But I see a lot of people that like they carry around such stress and so many shoulds around their money um, and a lot of like anger at their past self. You see that uh-huh. a lot with debt, right? Like it's your past self that got you yep. into it. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't yeah. have done that. Therefore, you don't want to handle it right now. Or, oh, you should have everything on auto payment. And because you don't, you're a failure, right? Yeah. Like this sort of like overgeneralizing. And then you go to the worst possible scenario. And just because you failed at a task, then you are a failure, which is just not true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and that's important to keep in mind. Um, but it so I see this, it manifests a lot in procrastination. And there's there's like I don't want you to think that if you that you maybe uh, like maybe you aren't a perfectionist at all and that's awesome. But there's a bunch of different ways in which these like thought patterns can occur where they're just they're sneakily perfectionism and maybe you don't think. So like overgeneralizing is a big one, like like, you know, a common example is like, I was late once, so I'm always late and I'm a failure and I'm going to get fired. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and sort like, of those self-fulfilling prophecies can be destructive. Right, right. Um, so catastrophizing is one of the big ones. Um, also the mental filter where you kind of uh, you assume what other people think about you based on something. So. A mental filter is like someone compliments you on the fact that you're, you know, it like, like seems like you've got your money more handled handled now or something like that. And all you hear is you you were terrible with money before. Right. It's that filtering where you mm-hmm. are only hearing the negative sort of things. Uh, anytime you're using should statements, right? That That's true. Is, I it, never thought of that with the word should. Should. Shooting all over the place. Chris. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's one of the big things. So like, uh, or like I have to be in complete control of my budget. Otherwise I'm just out of control. Mm -hmm. Right. Or making generalizations about yourself as a person based on one behavior. Um, Right. Or maybe, maybe not just focusing on the positive aspects. Like what you're saying with a hundred is maybe people are missing the 75% of the time they're doing something well. Yeah, totally. And I think that a lot of people will use one, one misstep with our money as a way of making themselves feel like it's not worth doing at all and Mm -hmm. and this could be targeted at yourself i think when it's perfectionism it tends to be targeted at yourself but this also can be true if you just you know you hear healthcare episodes or you're following the news and you get really frustrated at the system in general and so you feel like there's no way to win as like a working person in america right now and therefore Uh you just completely give up yeah right like oh the system is rigged against me so i shouldn't even try The the hopelessness yeah, totally. Um, a, a big one. So we talk about purchases a lot on this and like trying to optimize purchases. But this is a big one where um, kind of decision analysis and like 
over analysis of decisions can really manifest in way that the ways that can like hurt you. So like I can't buy this item because I have to find the perfect version of this item, even if it spends means spending way more time researching the purchase than the item brings me value. Or like I have to get the best possible deal on on oranges. So I go to the farthest grocery store where I know they're 10 cents less a pound. Even when you actually yeah. do the math, you realize spend that, more on gas money to get yeah, there or exactly. something. Yeah. Um, or like I have so many student loans, I'll never be able to stop living paycheck to paycheck. So like, it's not even worth getting, yeah. trying to pay well, them. I don't off. always sound it's tough because it's often student loans can be such uncomprehendable numbers. Right. They're so large that like student loans and mortgages, those are the kind of things where the numbers are so large for a lot of people. Uh, I hope that you're not in that camp, but, uh, but for a lot of people, the numbers are so large and it can be really frustrating if you're on something like income based repayment and you're only paying interest. So you are busting your butt trying to pay back your students mm -hmm. loans every month and only seeing the total go up. And, uh, that can be really challenging and can get you trapped in that cycle where you just feel like, oh, this is never going to work. So I shouldn't work on it at all. Right. Yeah. Um, and unlike real estate, this is one of the big ones. Like a lot of millennials are now living in cities where they just simply cannot afford to buy a home um, because housing prices are so high. Correct. And <laughs> so, like, I know a lot of people who, like, re believe that renting is throwing away your money and I can't afford to save for my dream home because my city is too expensive. So I shouldn't save for anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, like like the oh, I can't make the best possible investment, so I shouldn't do it in any way. Um, right. When good enough is often good enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, incremental. Pro so here's the big thing that I, I so all of these statements, maybe you're feeling bad now because you're like, oh, crap, this is me. Or maybe you're like, oh, no, I'm great at this. I'm great at incremental progress. But I, I think it's important. It's important to recognize that the the problem with all or nothing thinking is going from 100% to 0% and then back to 100% and again back to 0% and like again and again and kind of that loop and recognizing I think it's really helpful to recognize that money is a process it's never a trophy mm -hmm. that you won and you put it on a shelf and you're done money is Some always going to be a process action. <laughs> yeah there is no such thing as perfect with money and we talk about how like my budget is not your budget and like neither of us would feel happy about that but it's also important to recognize that like there is no perfect ideal of even necessarily your budget there's what makes you happy in the moment with your money and sometimes that is slow incremental progress towards a goal right yeah those big wins can be really sexy but almost all of those big wins came from people make, making slow incremental progress and not being caught up in the perfect ideal of something. And you can do things incrementally with money. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to have an off budget week or month or even year. It's okay to backslide on your debt payoff or your savings goal because you had a breakup or you got sick or just stop focusing on it for a little bit. Yeah. You don't even need a good reason, right? It's more Things happen. <laughs> yeah, it's more important to focus on like the fact that you can sit and reassess and come up with a new plan. And just because you did that don't catastrophize like, "Oh, because I backslid, I'm now never going to get out of the paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. I'm never going to be able to save for retirement. I'm going to end up eating cat food in retirement." Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's important to recognize that you can do things incrementally with money and like yes like i think 
optimization has become so mainstream and so sexy thanks to like the Tim Ferriss's of the world and the Mr. Money Mustaches mm-hmm. of the world that like people get really caught up in the fact that like if their budget isn't the most efficient form of XYZ, then they're failing. Right. But, or like, that it's wrong, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that makes them wrong. <laughs> but like, yes, sure. Maybe you could work out outside and buy free weights for your house and ditch the gym membership and save yourself a bunch of money and pay off your student loans XYZ number of years faster. But if you're using the gym membership and you don't want to run in the rain, that's fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you're not a bad person just because you have made a different choice with your money. And just because you can't pay off your student loans tomorrow doesn't mean you can't make a payoff plan for them. I know a lot of people who convince themselves there's a better future perfect version of themselves who will have more money to pay off their student loans and they should just do it on a lump sum. Okay, that's <laughs> that ambitious. Kind of the lottery, I mean like the lottery version, right? You know, or the or the oh, I someday I'm going to be making big bucks doing this, so I will just put that off. But the best student loan payoff is the one that you can just do now. <laughs> yeah, incremental or, yeah, or, or start yeah. start with whatever you can. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, it's also, oh, this is a big one. It's okay if you don't track your money to the cent. It's okay to make an imperfect organization system for your money. You know, I find a lot of people that have success with the automatic account method where it just goes into different accounts. Mm-hmm. And, like, they know themselves well enough to know that they're never going to get out of that cycle of just checking their bank account balance to see if they have enough money to spend. And they know they're going to spend down to zero. So they have one account that's that are discretionary spending, and that's their account. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, rather than being like, oh, I have to track it and then sort of like, you know, yo-yo dieting with budgeting where they're like for two months, they follow this perfect system and then they fail at it and then they go completely off the rails and end up overdrafting all of their accounts because they don't want to look at it at all. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll talk more about ways that you can find ways to overcome perfection in your budget. Yes. Be right back. We're back. We're <laughs> I'm back. back. And we are talking about the concept of progress beating perfection. So if there's something that you are procrastinating on because you feel like you have to figure out the best version of it, maybe it's worth finding the good enough solution. So if you're putting off logging into healthcare.gov to find a plan or like filling out those forms that have been on your desk for a month at work trying to pick a health insurance plan, maybe you don't need to have the perfect health insurance plan with the optimal deductible that you figured out and the best selection of doctors. Maybe you just have to pick a health insurance plan, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I remember when I moved to Portland, I had a really crappy house way way off in the middle of nowhere, and we always referred to it as our, our wooden sword because <laughs> you've got your... You know, when you start a video game, you've got, like, your wooden sword, which, you know, you, of course, upgrade as soon as possible. But I feel like that was a a constructive attitude to take towards just something I needed. Yeah, right. Like, it, it is a thing. You have to figure it out. 
And it's okay if it's not the best possible solution in that possible moment, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. And I, I see this so often with starting to save. So I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I have to find the perfect high yield savings account before I can save my emergency fund. And I'm like, <laughs> I no, you don't. You really don't. Like the difference between the 1.85% interest and the 1.95% interest means nothing if you have nothing in savings. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> yeah, 1.5% of nothing is uh, still nothing. Yeah. Exactly. And like, it's just it, like you just have to start saving and, and doing those automatic and like maybe it's a pain in the butt and you don't want to set up the new account, but you already have one at your credit union or whatever because you had to open a savings account like and it doesn't get you any interest. OK, fine. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Like just getting started with it is more important than. Uh, finding the best possible option. And then maybe later when you have more energy and you're feeling excited about the fact that you have started saving, then you can work on optimizing it, right? And like, I think that a lot of the kind of early retirement movement can make people feel a lot of shame around saving. So like they haven't hit the perfect 50% savings rate for their income. So they feel like they shouldn't even bother with it at all. Like, Oh, it's great if you can save any amount of your income and find a way to start saving at all. You don't have to save 50% of your income. Getting started is more important than having the perfect one. Yeah, with, there's that quote, the best time to plant the tree is last year and the second best time is today. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. Um, I also think the seven days a week fallacy is a big one. So there's this book on time management that I actually really like, even though it's actually focused on working mothers. It's called I Know How She Does It um, by Lauren Vanderkam. Well, that might mean working mothers are probably great at time management. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and it's it's particularly like I love it because uh, she did a massive study of high achieving women where she had them log their time in 15 minute increments. Because um, they didn't have enough to do. Yeah, exactly. Hey, I log my time it doesn't take that much time but um but it's really cool because it shows it shows that i think one of the cool parts she interviewed a lot of women that have like legal careers and children under 10 and also have a side gig where they may write mystery novels like publish mystery novels like like just people where you look and you go like how could someone possibly how does she achieve have, all you have that? that time yeah um, and one of the big things she talks about is the seven days a week fallacy. And I know a lot of people who kind of fall into this trap, which is if they can't do it seven days a week, they shouldn't do it at all. So, well, I have to eat out lunch Friday and Wednesdays because of coworker meetings or because I have to pick up my, you know, kid after school or something mm -hmm. like that. So I should never bother to pack lunch. Um, but if you pack lunch the other five days a week, you're still saving a lot of money, right? Like just because you can't do it seven days a week or, uh, oh, I can't do that hobby. I can't go to the gym every single day, so I shouldn't do it at all. Yeah, because, why bother? Yeah, because it doesn't work for me on XYZ day a week. Or I can't bike to work every day of the week, so it's not worth doing. But like, hey, if you bike to work one day a week, that's still better than zero if that's your goal. Yeah, that's, that's a drastic improvement from zero. <laughs> yeah, um... Or, like, I see this a lot. Like, if you want to start getting better cooking at home, you don't need to make Pinterest perfect meals every night of the week or follow, like, the perfect YouTube video of batch cooking. Just try it out. Like, uh -huh. like find the thing that works for you. Um, yeah, start somewhere. Giving yourself permission to not have it dialed in 
it's okay to have a less perfect solution to your money. So for example, I, um, a lot of people ask how I spend so little on groceries. And one, I, one of, I think the surprising things for people is I actually know I could spend a lot less on groceries because I buy a lot of my groceries at Whole Foods, mm -hmm. otherwise known as Whole Paycheck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I generally only try to buy certain things at Whole Foods that I know have, you know, a competitive-esque price, but I objectively know that Whole Foods is more expensive than many other options, um, but it's also less expensive than eating out, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's a three-minute walk from my house. You know what? I cook way more food at home because I grocery shop at the Whole Foods that three that is a three-minute walk from my house. Right, a further walk, and I'm sure you'd start considering other options. Right, there's a the lot line. of yeah. restaurants between me and the other stores. <laughs> um, I could support like more local businesses and I would like to I could shop at the farmer's market and get the fresh veggies that look really great on Instagram I could buy my tofu from the special cheap tofu store out on 82nd they have very good tofu but you know what <laughs> I buy stuff from Whole Foods and I probably spend five to fifteen dollars more a month on groceries than I know I could if I went to other stores but I can round trip shop door to door on foot in under under 20 minutes each week so yeah. I do yeah. And like I'm okay with that. <laughs> and Yeah, go with go with what's best or what's working. Yeah, it does. And I guess you can always dial something in more if you start with something you feel is imperfect. It means there's always room for for incremental improvements. Right. Like you can start making beans at home and not buy the cheapest dried beans, right? Yeah, like, or start with canned beans. Yeah. And oh and that was my tacos are a great example. Despite the fact that like overall food prices have gone up, my taco costs have gone down because I've gotten more efficient slowly at my breakfast tacos, which if you've listened to the show regularly you know, I eat three tacos for breakfast every morning. And I started with canned beans and then I moved to making beans on the stove and then I moved to a slow cooker and then I moved to a pressure cooker yeah. and like all of that lowered my prices and made it more efficient. But like that was over the course of like seven years. <laughs> yeah, I like I like your analogy of dialing something in because that makes me think of dialing in espresso shots at a cafe first thing in the morning. Your first one's going to be like all off. It's going to be way too fast. You're way too slow. And it's going to suck. Then your second one, you'll probably err on the other side too hard. And you know, it just kind of takes those incremental mistakes and getting it until it's, you know. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So here is a big should that I hear. I should start investing, but I need to do the research. Uh, here's the thing. It is okay to use a target index fund. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Target retirement funds essentially automatically allocate based on your age, sort of the percentage of stocks and bonds. And over a large number of stocks and bonds, too, to really average things out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and, and they have different expense ratios, which is the cost to you overall. And, and we've talked before about how like lower expense ratios are great, um, but sometimes you just don't have a lot of options in your like access to a 401k at work. You might mm -hmm. have like one with very few options. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to lose money on the expense ratios. So until I've done the research and found the perfect allocations, I can't start getting invested mm. for retirement. Here's the thing. It's okay to use a target retirement fund instead of allocating out your investments for yourself. Yes, maybe you'll lose some money over the long term to expense ratios, but you did it. Yeah. And it's not <laughs> right. like you're losing money overall. You're still yeah. you're, you're losing money over what you 
could have done and that's that seems like not worth focusing on yeah and and i also think that a lot of people get caught up in the shoulds with their past selves yeah the past tense hypotheticals are bad news yeah i shouldn't have bought this house you know like i heard that a lot during the housing crash i knew a lot of people with underwater houses Mm -hmm. um who were so angry at their past selves that they weren't really dealing with what they needed to do then um, because they were so angry at their past selves for, like, buying a house at the height of the housing market. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I. those are some of the things I think one of the exercises I find really helpful. I tend to, I tend to be on the catastrophic side where I catastrophize, like, basic decisions where I'll be like, oh because because i didn't do this then i'm going to end up on the street as a bag lady Probably. right you know my inner bag lady is strong as i like to say which is rarely true like i have a support network i have a lot of resources i've been saving for a long i'm gonna be okay mm-hmm. um but i decide because i like didn't respond to that email on time and i lost that brand deal then i'm going to be eating cat food in retirement oh, and yeah. I like to use the then what exercise, which is when I make a statement that falls into that should category or that um, I'm blaming myself, I just keep asking myself, then what? Then what? And eventually I reach the absurdity of the statement where I realize that like it's unreasonable. Once I ask myself, then what a bunch of times I'm like, oh, Oh yeah, I probably won't end up eating cat food in retirement yeah. <laughs> because it 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 helps reduce it to the absurdity of the statement. Uh, the other thing I like to do is I'm a lot. If you are a self-critical perfectionist, you're probably harder on yourself than you would be on a friend in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like to imagine myself as a friend or a listener that I'm giving advice to. Oh, I see. So <laughs> you know when when I am um, procrastinating on something. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this because it won't be the best version of it. And because I don't know how to do this thing in Final Cut and I can't edit this video this way, I shouldn't do it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would be like, but I would probably tell a friend, well, that's okay. You're learning. Like, you just make the thing. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, or like, mm-hmm. can you fix that by watching a tutorial on how to do that thing? Like, is it should you just not do that yeah making it less personal seems like a good tactic that is really helpful or like you know the friend that's like oh i don't want to log in to check my bank account because i'm afraid of what it's going to say well yeah Uh, you would tell your friend that you should do that just so you know what it says Yeah, exactly (laughs) like is it going to change that's where the then what is helpful like the but if you know that it's negative then what? And you're yeah. like, oh, well, then I probably have to call the bank. And I'm like, okay, then what? And you're like, well, then I have to talk to the bank. And you're like, then what? And they're like, and then they're going to murder me at my house. And you're like, maybe no. that's catastrophizing. <laughs> <laughs> like, other people have overdrafted their accounts before. <laughs> yeah. So this this would be a good area to ask for listener input, I think. I'd be interested in hearing what other examples people can come up with of catastrophizing things or times they've gone for less than 100% perfect solutions that work for them. Yeah. I would love to hear about your good enough solutions, things mm-hmm. that you've just decided this is good enough for now or maybe forever. Uh, and I'd also like to hear about, you know, maybe some all or nothing nothing thinking uh, that is impacting your procrastination or your financial worries. Yes. Uh, maybe we can work through it. It's just a group money therapy session here on Oh My Dollar. <laughs> 
Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. So if you have any of those, you can always leave them on the Oh My Dollar forums or you can email us at questions at ohmydollar.com or you can just tweet me at Anomalily or at oh my Dollar. Yep, that wraps the show for today. Our producer is Will Romy. Our intro music is by Aaron Parecki and your host and personal finance educator is Lillian Kerbake. Thank you for listening and until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you. And just remember, we have a Kickstarter going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>